This episode is sponsored by Brooklyn Games. Get monthly tabletop RPG zines in print or PDF at patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games or buy direct at brooklyngames.com. This month, sign up for Gabico, the floating goblin fortress in print or PDF. Enter into a massive floating dungeon divided by factions, including gigantic rubs, strange goblins covered in mushrooms, and their Astura ruler, the Goblin King. Available now at patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. Joined today by my special guest, Cynthia Celeste Miller. She is the president of Spectrum Games. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. Now you've got a new is new game here that we're looking at. Is this is this out yet or is it coming? Guys, coming at the beginning of next year, correct? Correct. January of 2023. Mm-hmm. And it's called Downtrodden. Living the American Nightmare. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's an interesting title. I, I was very intrigued when I saw this. I'm curious about this game. What can you tell me about it? <laughs> well, it takes place in an alternate version of our world in alternate or in our time, just a different version of it, in which certain events happened in this version that didn't happen in ours that caused different effects and different historical events to go down. And uh, the long and short of it is that we ended up with a female president who was actually a very good politician, but the group called the Patriarchs with a Q in there. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. So the Patriarchs, they have uh, been spending the last few decades infesting all positions of power, governmental, media, you name it. Of course, they weren't going to tolerate a female president, so they essentially orchestrated a uh, second Great Depression, uh, blaming her and all other women in various branches of the government, the whole thing, from top to bottom. And of course, people were desperate at this time, uh, because it was probably even worse, um, not as long as, but probably worse than the original Great Depression. And they used numerous means to do it. So everyone was desperate, scared, and they started listening. Not everybody. I do want to point that out. <laughs> but the, the ones that were the movers and shakers that caused things to happen, they bought into a lot of this rhetoric. She ended up out of office, serving only one term, and it didn't help that COVID had hit. That was the one aspect that the patriarchs didn't have any control over, but it <laughs> did actually play to their favor a little bit. And it made a bad situation worse. And they ended up installing a person that they have who I won't go into all that because we don't have that much time. But (laughs) they have a a very uh, horrible president who is a member of the patriarchs. One of the people that kind of not started the patriarchs, but got in with them pretty early on. He started with executive orders that were reducing the rights of women and later the LGBTQ community. And then once he started dipping his toe in the water, toes, because he there quite a few toes in those waters. <laughs> he uh, actually ended up, him and his, well, the Congress, or the, well, the government in general, came up with a set of laws called the Traditional Values Act. Mm-hmm. And this included 
essentially taking most rights away from women and LGBTQ people. Essentially, women had to have guardians. They had to pretty much do what they're saying. It's a lot of people go, was this like Handmaid's Tale? I mean, on the surface, I guess. <laughs> but honestly, that was never a big influence of mine. Yeah. The, it's not as religion based. I mean, mm-hmm. there's yeah. some of that aspect, but not much. It's it's mostly not. <laughs> there's a whole lot of factors involved in that. And so that's where it stands. So in the game itself, the characters are playing who we call the affected, which can be LGBTQ people, women. Um, it can be, you know, even cisgendered males who, you know, realize, hey, this is pretty messed up and are you know, looking to make changes. So it's a game of personal horror. Uh, so there's different levels you can play it at. You can play it as a let's overthrow the patriarchy. I like that. Uh, <laughs> game. Right. I like that. <laughs> um, or it can be played more of a dark personal horror where you make changes. You know, you can help people, but you're mostly dealing with the everyday existence, what it's like to be that oppressed and lose your rights when you've spent, you know, the first part of your life being, you know, free. And suddenly you're under the boot heel of someone else, um, the male sex. And so there's a lot of mental health aspects that go along with that. We're trying to treat that very seriously. We have Mm -hmm. some people on board who are helping us with that because I don't want to misrepresent mental health. Yes. As I'm an advocate for that. So yeah, so the game is going to start with you're going to play, your character is going to start in what we call the before. And it allows everybody to kind of know what their characters' lives were like before the Traditional Values Act came into being. And that's where you make your character at first and you build your character throughout the course of the after or the begin the before, sorry. <laughs> and then then it transitions to the after for later sessions. And at which in which point you say, so what has happened to this character since then? What would have changed? And then you build the rest of your character that way. Well, that's that's fascinating. I think it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea. And and I'm 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 curious to know a little bit more about the game. How does this? One of the things I'm always interested in in the game. Look, I'm going to be honest. The system isn't what piqued my interest in this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious to know what the system is like because I'm a gamer. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the system is it uses traditional playing cards, and we are going to be releasing an official one for people that just like all the bells and whistles. Yeah. I just received a new piece of artwork in for that just today or yesterday. Today. And so what you do is the game master will determine a target number. And then once that's done, the player who's making the, and I do want to say that everything in this is pretty much player facing. Okay. The, the players are the ones, if the bad guy is going to do something to them, it's going to happen unless they can prevent it. Yes. And the way that's done is through checks. And checks aren't made all that often. I mean, every game master can do it, but the game is set up towards only for really important or, um, or exciting or intriguing, whatever you want to call it, situations that really would require it. Usually you can just go, well, they probably have enough to accomplish what needs to be done and roll with it. However, uh, when it's going to enhance the story, the player has their own deck, which, by the way, is not a full deck of cards. 
certain cards are taken out at the beginning of the campaign and it'll change, grow and shrink throughout the course of the campaign as characters gain experience, as characters' mental health state changes. Because as, you know, for example, depression, it can cripple you. I mean, it affects your effectiveness Mm -hmm. and your efficiency at doing anything. And that is reflected in the game mechanics by putting in worse cards, taking out better cards. Um, So anyway, so you flip over the first six from left to right, flip over the top six cards. That's called your chain. And um, laid out left to right, like I said. And the two end cards, one on each end, is called the exposed card. And at its base, (laughs) you (laughs) add those two together, you two exposed cards, and modify it by whatever stats you know, uh, or ability, whatever. Yes. That That is most pertinent. And if you meet or beat the target number chosen with that, then you succeed. Now, there's a lot more wrinkles to it. Than that. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. otherwise, why not just flip over two cards and add those together? So you have to chain. And there are what we call ace qualities, which are like special abilities. And the characters get their first one at the very first of character creation. Um, and that comes with their drive. Their drive gives them their first um, their first ace quality. So, so anyway, so you get your chain, and certain things are going to manipulate the cards, like certain face cards. Like when a queen or a king is in the chain, first of all, if there's both, they cancel each other out on a one-for-one basis. So you're only ever going to have a king or a queen in there, never both. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to happen is they will immediately shift outward or inward, depending on the, but they immediately shift toward the closest exposed card. And that can even replace exposed card if it's, you know, one over. So it shifts once. And so the different face cards do different things. And then your ace qualities can modify that further if you play aces. Because whenever you draw an ace in your, in your uh, chain, instead you pull it and you replace it with another card. But you keep that ace in your hand. Yeah. And those are what you can use to play your or to use your your ace qualities throughout the game. And if you because every ability is tied to a specific suit, for example, uh, social interactions is tied to the hearts and so forth and so on. So oh, I like that. So that so right, <laughs> right. So if it matches, then then you actually it'll give you a little bit better effect for your uh-huh. ace quality. So yeah, and that's the that's the core of the game. There's like I said, some wrinkles, but that's the gist of it, right there. That, that that's interesting. I've yeah, I don't think I've ever played a game quite like that. I'd be curious. I'm definitely curious to try this out. I'm definitely gonna have to pick this up. We have to give it a spin. <laughs> Thank you. Now, now at, at a point, like I, I, I'm I, I'm trying to think of a way to say what I'm trying to say without without being a bummer or being mean or anything like that. No, it's I don't okay. want to be because I try not to say negative things about games, but this is a really cool idea. I love it. But also like I think we're in a time where I don't know if that's the game I want to play. <laughs> it feels too much like totally life. understand. <laughs> it feels like life. <laughs> right. And this is totally a cautionary tale. I mean, yeah. that was my main intention for this is for it to act as this is what could happen if we keep going down this slippery slope of removing mm-hmm. rights. Um, so it has already begun. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've got some interesting comments, mm-hmm. um, particularly from 
far right. Yeah, that that can happen. <laughs> and that's and all I did was release the cover, a brief description, and a link to the web page, and it's already begun. So it's it's, but I'm okay. I honestly planned on that. Mm-hmm. So yes, this is. But here's the cool part: is it can also be therapeutic because mm-hmm. if you gear it to play a smash the patriarchy type of thing, I mean, there's a certain feel good aspect to that. Yeah, and I'm an egalitarian. So, like <laughs> um, so yeah, it's very therapeutic for me, but I'll be honest, sometimes writing the, uh, the setting information, mm-hmm. I have, I would have to stop and take breaks because it, it was disturbing to me. So I couldn't just power through a whole chapter of, you know, the, uh, the setting information. I had to just kind of stop and take a breath, um, and get back to it a few days later because, this is not a generally a happy-go-lucky escapism game. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong; it's fun. We've had a lot of fun playtesting and stuff. It's a lot of fun, but it's it's also introspective. Mm-hmm. You start to and and a lot of my my playtesters have echoed this that um, that it makes you really think, yeah. and it makes you realize, man, being oppressed really would be rough. What would we do? And hopefully it brings up awareness. Um, that's my hope. But yeah, no, your, your point is very valid, you know, because we're, we're at the, the precipice of, of this yeah. as it stands. I mean, I don't even think there's a whole lot of way anybody can doubt that at this point, mm-hmm. um, especially with the it starts with the <laughs> what just happened in, in yeah. the, uh, with the Supreme Court. And that had already happened in the game mm-hmm. setting by then before that even happened in real life. So I'm going, man, I hope I'm not <laughs> predicting the rest of this. <laughs> like, uh, um, it, it very much fits in that line. There's definitely a vein of classic literature, like, like, like Orwell and uh, Huxley, oh. Aldous Huxley and, and, and folks like that, that I feel that mm-hmm. It very much puts me in mind of of some of those writers and Mark. Uh, what's her name that did Handsmaid Tale? Is it Atwood? Is that her? Is that something like that? I, I'm not as familiar. I was not as familiar with that Handsmaid Tale until the uh, the series came out. Right. I, I had not heard of it until then, to be honest. And I, I'm a reader. I, there's an issue there. I think perhaps. <laughs> I honestly, I had never read it. I saw the like the old movie. That came out in oh gosh, late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember who all was in it. But and I watched the first season of the of the the TV series that you know with Elizabeth Moss and mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. And that's as far as I've gotten. So. Yeah, and I I I had watched some of the series, and it's it's rough to watch. I can't. I've never finished. Like I think I'm. I've got through like maybe I may have made it to the third season, maybe through the second. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But like stuff that it's rough to watch that kind of stuff. It's like it is. But yeah, I've got, I, I, do <laughs> think it, I think it's important though for things like this to exist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because, me too. Yeah. If we if we don't look at it and and fiction of any sort be it movies books games anything if we don't explore that mm-hmm. you know if we don't bring that to the surface in some some fashion i'm afraid that it's and, and honestly it could anyway but yeah my hope is that it will help people go whoa 
This is not the world we want. Now, a lot of the people that do want that world aren't going to budge from it. We know that. I mean, we're we're looking at extremists here. And I do consider the far right extremists. Uh, Sue me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so so I have a lot of people who have expressed that this is, uh, what is it, leftist liberal propaganda, I think was the exact quote and he will not be buying anything further from spectrum games to which another person hopped on and said that's okay i'll buy two copies one to make up for the one that you're not buying <laughs> so we've had a lot of support as well excellent i'm glad to hear that i'm glad to hear that i think that a lot of our listeners uh i, I hope that a lot of our listeners from 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 the feedback i've gotten from them i feel that they would uh probably be more excited about something like this than angry about yeah. it. <laughs> I kind of get that feeling too. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we have, of course, one other person commented to the original uh, propaganda guy <laughs> and said, said, you are people like you are the reason this game needs to exist. That yeah. made me feel pretty good, actually. That is pretty I, wonderful. <laughs> I probably yeah. fist pumped when I read that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Excellent. Excellent. So I've got, could you, you've been in, you've been gaming for a while. You've been making games for a while. Could you Mm -hmm. tell our listeners about some of the other games you have out there and and about some of your history in game development and stuff? Sure. Um, Well, I started wanting to design games back in 87. Actually, I designed my first game in early 87 called Intergalactic Wars, but it was the pits. Um, (laughs) Well, I'd only played D&D at that point, so it was super derivative, and I ripped off like every science fiction and fantasy movie, book, comic, you name it. Um, But I quickly started making more games. I discovered that I really wanted, that was my passion when I, because I'd run that game for my friends. And one day I went to a friend's house and his sister let me in and said, oh, he's upstairs. So I walked up halfway upstairs and I heard him running intergalactic wars for some of his friends that i didn't know and the idea that someone would run the game without me being there was probably among the most important moments of my life That's excellent. and i just stood there on the stairs with them not knowing i was there for probably I don't know how long. but it was a long time just listening and just going wow i don't want this feeling to end so that's I when like i made that. that decision and kind of shoehorned my way into the industry Mm-hmm. with the dawn of PDF publishing in the early 2000s. And I've not looked back. Some of the stuff I've done is Cartoon Action Hour, uh, Slasher Flick, Macabre Tales, uh, Stories from the Grave. Um, it's, and, and I'm also including not just ones that I designed here, but also just published. Because like Retro Star was written by Barack Blackburn, just for example, as was Capes, Cows, and Villains Foul. I mean, we've got a lot of games out there. Um, Urban Manhunt is our is our miniatures game that's done really well for us. Um, On the Air, which does old-time radio. Uh, I mean, we, we're known for genre emulation. This is actually the first game I've produced that's not about genre emulation. Everything else is like specifically and faithfully trying to recreate certain media or genres depending on which one i i think genre i think genre fiction in general seems to be very strong within the gaming world to begin with so (laughs) it's definitely yeah and i credit that for uh me being able to stick around in the industry this long because like in the early days of pdf publishing you kind of had to have 
and it's probably still that way for new companies. Something that stands out. And we were the only ones really specifically catering everything we did to like faithfully emulating genres. Um, I mean, there were games before us certainly that emulated genres successfully, but we were the first ones that I know of anyway that like made that our thing. Yeah. And so so it has done pretty well for us. Excellent. So tell me a bit about your gaming history and where you got your start and what you played over the years. So that's one thing I think a lot of people are interested in. I know I like talking to people about games like that as well. So I'm curious to know. <laughs> games that I've played. So are you sure we only have a half hour? Yeah, um, we, we, got, got, we, got, we got a trunk. And like, okay, <laughs> then I wait. Because like when you get into the 90s, especially, I can't yeah. tell you the games I played. There's a plethora. I jumped in the mall. So yeah, I'm just curious some of your, your trajectory in your gaming world, where sure. you got your start and how that path went. So uh it was 1986. There was I lived in a very small town of 1,700 people in the conservative Midwest, which seems like the most opposite place of where I would be. But you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> and uh, a new kid in town came in, and I'd always been curious about D and D because this was during the rage of the Satanic Panic era, <laughs> and and I was a rebellious kid, and so it piqued my interest. I had seen ads in comic books and, and so forth, but I'd never had exposure to it. We didn't have, you know, it was pre-internet and yeah. didn't exactly have any game stores around. So <laughs> so I never was able, but this new kid comes into town saying, hey, I play D&D. Are you interested? And I'm like, oh, yes, please. <laughs> so, so on my 13th birthday, I played my first game. That was 1986, like I said, late 86. And uh, man, when it happened... It was just like my whole world changed. The whole landscape <laughs> of my life just altered on the spot. And I know that sounds overly dramatic, but I promise you that that's how it felt. And so I have played, oh God, of course, everything, you know, the traditional stuff, Marvel superheroes, oh, the first see. Star Wars RPG. Well, I actually have played every Star Wars RPG. Um, I've used other systems for Star Wars. I have played, of course, Shadowrun, which is one of my early influences in terms of settings um castle falkenstein cyberpunk uh, cyberspace derps champions man and i am i'm dipping i'm like 0.5 percent into the games that i've played but ran the gamut yeah we, we were always i was always a part of a group that was into mm -hmm. trying different games and yeah. we were always looking like when the james bond remember the james bond box game yeah like we got into all that stuff a lot of the ones you mentioned are definitely over my shelf over there i got the marvels <laughs> over there i've got those i got quite a few of the earlier editions of the star wars over there all, all this yeah we were a group that was constantly trying some other game with some other plays we did a lot of palladium <laughs> I, I get my toes into that a little earlier on, like in 87, mm -hmm. decided overall it wasn't for me. Um, for some reason, as a younger person, it really bothered me that the, it bothers me less now as an adult. At the time, it was like, wait a minute, why are you rolling different for attribute checks or whatever <laughs> they call them in there? I don't recall versus skill checks shouldn't this all be and that bothered me so much that i i just couldn't um i revisited it with rifts in the 90s but that was brief mm -hmm. and then i gravitated on to the other stuff at that point but we did play some 
Well, Heroes Unlimited was our number one game. It's probably been my number one game of all time throughout my life. But that was just oh, wow. was so much long. That's because it was so long back then. I don't think I played anything that long of my life <laughs> again. Sure, yeah. But, but yeah, well, we uh, now when it came to when you decided that you were going to start putting games out via PDF and everything, putting your own stuff out. Like, how did you approach that? What got what? What did you do to start? cranking your own stuff out, writing it and making it and everything. So how did you, I'm curious about that. Well, it started with um, my early, throughout my teenage years and into my twenties, I was trying the traditional approach uh, to no avail. I was sending submissions and, and stuff to everything from Dragon Magazine to FASA to, you know, all these different companies. And I was, and I got a lot of nice feedback. They're like, yeah, you know, not quite where we want you to be, but hey, here's some advice. I got, oh, excuse me, got a lot of that, and that was appreciated. And I never took that as um, a detriment. I just tried to improve. And so by the time 2001 came around, I was like, okay, so this PDF thing's becoming a thing. And I'm like, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to have to shove my way through the door. Yeah. So I designed cartoon action hour hired someone to do layout because that was before i knew how to do it went to college for that and i just uh got as much artwork as i could afford which you know was what it was mm-hmm. we actually got some surprisingly good artwork for, for that and we got i just put it up and i think it was uh, rpg now because that was i think when rpg now and drive through rpg were two separate entities they were competitors at the time and so um, I put that on sale and it garnered enough interest that Z-Man Games approached us about us signing a contract that allows them to publish it in hard copy format. And so we signed a five-year deal with them. Didn't end up working out. Um, I don't think either side was, was uh, extremely happy with with the way things went. I mean, we're all on great terms, but I mean, as far as business and financial aspects. And so then we got the rights back. And then by then I was in college learning graphic design. And I'm like, you know, hmm. let's just do this on our own. And we've yeah. been that ever since. Excellent. 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 That, that works out. And, and now I think a lot of people interested in doing the game thing, mm-hmm. the DIY thing is, is, dominant these days it's not as as, yeah it's it's not like that but you're definitely where it seems like you're a forerunner in that whole thing in a lot of ways really yeah there were there were definitely people before but i was i was in on the pretty much the ground floor the whole movement i think with the forge i don't know if you remember the forge website oh yeah Yeah. i do (laughs) so so yeah that's kind of where it's our ron ron edwards was one of the the ones that i was like enamored with Hey, he's just doing this on his own, you know, uh, with uh, with his games at the time, and so yeah, it was really inspiring to me. So, what are you playing right now? Jeez, oh, um, <laughs> a lot of Flames of War, World War II miniatures game. We've been playing a lot of that. We just played the GI Joe deck building game the other day. Most of my role playing stuff is honestly right now play testing, which Good. is about as much fun as hitting yourself in the head with a with a wrench. Oh I no, testing. Um, but it's but I'm also a stickler for it. I play test games probably a little longer than I really have to. Um, like Urban Manhunt, I play tested it for 
probably three plus years. I think the longest though was at Macabre Tales, which is our Domino's based uh, Lovecraftian horror game. And I think that was a little over five years play testing because it was so hard to get right because Domino's was such a different beast to play with. Well, that, I'm curious about that. I've never, I've never even thought about it. So Domino's is instead of dice, essentially. Yeah, you you keep a hand of three Domino's, and you can play. Depending on your ability, you either use the low side, the high side, or the high side plus half the low side. I mean, it's it, it's it's pretty simple system, but it the whole thing's designed to create a very slow, meticulous, like pacing, sort of like his Lovecraft stories had. Yeah, right, and and then build tension as you go. So. Oh. And, and the cool. dominoes helped with that tremendously. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. I, I would have never thought of that in a million years. It would never cross my mind. That's a pretty cool idea. I appreciate Thank that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I've seen a few. Like I've seen cards used more than like like seems to be the number two thing that I see. Like I know I know that uh, it's not called it's not called Savage Lands, is it? What's the what's that Savage, Savage Worlds? Lands. Savage, Savage World uses yeah. yeah Savage World Savage uses, World uh, is uses cards for initiative and some other stuff yeah. And then we've had a few uh, game designers on here that have used uh, cards or actually mm-hmm. one of them used a, a card game like blackjack or something as the resolution oh, wow. as well. So I've seen some of that, but dominoes, that's the first time I've even heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, nobody else has done it. I don't know. There, there may be that I haven't heard of, but you know, we're we're about on time. We're about at the thirty minutes. Could you tell the listeners where they can pick up your work and where they should be going online to find you and and support you and whatnot? Sure. Um, go over to www. Of course, dot spectrum dash games dot com. Make sure you remember the dash. Uh, uh, you can see you can find me on social media. You can go to the Spectrum Games official. Facebook page, or all over, or you can go straight to Cynthia Celeste Miller on Facebook. And we have a pretty active community, especially for our Urban Manhunt games. You can look up Urban Manhunt on there if you like very inexpensive miniatures games that can use any miniature. Well, I'm going to be honest, that that's like one of the big drawbacks of like miniature games for a lot of folks is like the Warhammer is. is really expensive. They're looking yeah. for something cheap to run. So. Right. So and that was one of the things we did with Urban Manhunt is we want to make it very affordable. And that's why I went with black and white printing is to keep the cost down for the rule books. So for 25, 30 bucks, you're, you're in. You got what you need. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been great talking to you. It has been fun. Thank you very much for having me. No doubt. No doubt. And as always, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. You search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really use the support. Patreon.com backslash Wildlies and Wizards. And keep those dice rolling.